welcome back to another episode of One Penny at a Time. I'm your host, Harris Elliott. Welcome to the last episode of 2022. So I'm going to give you guys a quick a quick brief rundown here. I'm actually, after this Monday's episode, I'm going to take two weeks off. It's the holidays. It's family time. It's, you know, I love hanging out with you every week. Sometimes you got to take a step back and enjoy the good things in life. So we're going to take two weeks off following this episode. Um, after that, I will be back Monday the 9th, weekly, every Monday to your normal schedule programming. So again, that heads up to you guys, but enough of that. Let's get into this episode here. I got my good friend Gio on me on the, on the podcast. For those who don't know, Gio's a fellow dividend investor. I met him through the depths of the internet, AKA discord. We were on the same discord channel one time. And we kind of hit it off, and we've been talking ever since. Gio, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good, man. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. No, it's great to have you on the podcast, and thank you for taking time to, you know, get on here. I know, I think we talked about this back in October about doing this, and you know me, I, I pre, I, I calendar out my stuff. So day's finally here. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, Harris, before you continue, I wanted to tell you, you know, I, I really appreciate uh, everything that you're doing. This uh, this podcast is a great way for uh, for people to learn the beginning of dividend investing or investing in general and get familiar with it. So I really like this platform that you have that you've created here. No, I, I appreciate the compliment. Thank you for listening to my gibberish and to all the nonsense I spew out every week. Sometimes I always Solid. joke about. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I joke about it's like. People do people really listen to this? And I look at the the numbers. I go, I guess people really do listen. So I appreciate you just listening in, and you know, and being able to connect with you. So, yeah. you know, I'm always excited about it. So let's go ahead. Let's let's get let's get this party started. Geo, tell me about yourself. What's your background? Where are you from? What do you do for a living? All right. So I'm born and raised here in New Jersey. I'm over on the East Coast. Um, mm-hmm very interesting you know state that i live in especially the area that i grew up in it's very it's very diverse and uh the population they come from all over the world with different perspectives and philosophies so growing up i had a lot of exposure to a lot of different uh points of views on things that happen in the world Mm -hmm. so those are all like little factors that help define who i am today um as for what i do you know, I, I'm a physical education teacher. I work with elementary and middle school kids. Um, and I, I also own my own uh, photography business. You know, it's important. This is this is important to me because capturing moments uh, is, is, is important. It's essential because, you know, time is fleeting, right? And uh, that's, it's, it also ties into what we're going to be talking about today with investing because, you know, Time the time waits for nobody. So taking pictures, capturing moments of families together, events, lifestyles, uh, milestones, those are great. And, uh, you know, holding on to those moments are invaluable. No, 100%. Uh, two things I want to say. Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jersey, yeah. <laughs> um, the, there's only one reason I would ever go to New Jersey, and we've talked about this, is to go to Red Bank, New Jersey, to go to the, the Kevin Smith's comic book store. It's the only reason I'd ever go to New Jersey, or if I ever go to a Giants game at their stadium. It's the only reason I'd ever go to Jersey. <laughs> uh, what about everything? We got beaches over here, right? No. I'm from uh, Puerto Rico. I know what real beaches are. It's not Jersey. Oh, 
<laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, I, I'm just about to get canceled by the New Jersey community. <laughs> but oh, no, that's great. So you say you're, you're a physical education teacher and you do photography. So you're not a head fund manager. You're not a trust fund baby. You're nope. every, an everyday person. Everyday, I'm an everyday person. You know, uh, this, this is all relatively new. I've been only been investing for about three years now. So I'm mm-hmm. just a uh, everyday, you know, person. No, great. And you're in your uh, late 20s or your 30s, right? Uh, my birthday was like two weeks ago. I just turned 30. So... Congratulations and happy belated birthday on there. Thank you very much. So tell me about, you know, kind of going off of that, your first 27 years, what were you doing financially? All right. So, oh man, that's a loaded question. (laughs) First 27 years, I'll be honest with you, in in the the circle of people that, you know, I grew up with and... um, the friends that I've had and who I, who I, you know, interacted with money talking finance really wasn't like an aspect at all. It wasn't like a topic conversation. I always grew up playing, you know, video games and I was on, I did baseball, I did gymnastics, you know, the things that led to, you know, me being a phys ed teacher today. Um, but finance, it really, it really wasn't anywhere on the radar, like, at all i was and then when i became of age to start getting you know my own job and start making money uh i was hemorrhaging money man like i was spending it on entertainment like the play uh xbox games microtransactions food it was just gone but as soon as i got it gone so it was a big big problem what got you to what got you to change that state of mind or what inspired you well, uh, to be honest, you know, working, um, like I said, I was just spending money really, really fast. And then uh, I came across, I started to develop an interest in magic. All right, this is going to go off on a tangent. So I developed an interest in magic. I started spending money on decks of cards and I was buying, I had hundreds, almost almost about a thousand decks of cards at one point. And... Uh, I was starting to learn magic tricks and was following these magicians. And I came across one. Um, his name is Andre Jick. Mm-hmm. He's on YouTube. Um, you can find him there. Uh, he, he left the magic world. He just fell off the face of the earth. And then the, the next time I found him again, he was talking about dividend investing and the magic of money. So, so, and the magic of passive income. So I was like, passive income, what, you know, I've never heard of this term before, but I trusted Andre because I've been watching and studying stuff from him for the past couple of years. And it, it just, it just opened up this whole world of, uh, you know, experience that I knew, I knew nothing about passive income, nothing about the stock market. I always assumed it was like some construct that adults use to gamble money on companies and most of the time they went bankrupt and that was that. Yeah. It was really funny about Andre. Obviously he's one of the bigger YouTube channels with over a million followers. Whenever he does the magic tricks, bringing out the Charizard and the change of heart for Yu-Gi-Oh. Amazing. (laughs) Yeah. He's always got, it's always got quite the, the, you know, the, the, the intros are always very engaging. Gotcha. So pretty much you started off dividend investing. You never got into like the day trading or anything like that. No, nothing. No day trading, no 
swing trading, no uh, value trading, intrinsic stuff. I, like all these terms I'm just mentioning, I just I've learned about within like the last year or two. It was purely passive income and dividend investing because the way that Andre had explained it really resonated with my level of uh, risk that I wanted to take on, which is a big part of my dividend investing philosophies is the amount of risk that I'm willing to take. So you actually never got to do the crypto phase? None of that. You're one of the lucky ones. No, I'm not. I'm not a crypto person. I mean, I did drop like 200 bucks into Shiba and I just left it there. And who knows? That's about it. I didn't do any other crypto investing. Oh, so you haven't sold the Shiba? It's just sitting there. I Oh, it's, I it's, it, it, it's down big time. I'll tell you that I, right now. I have seen that, but I'm not crying over it. If it goes to zero, mm-hmm. it goes to zero. That's good. But, you know, if it flips the other way 20 years from now and it hits like 50 cents, I'm not going to cry either. I'm going to be very, I mean, I'm going to cry <laughs> tears of joy. <laughs> yeah. I'll tell you what, even the, the uh, I'm going to just breathe this out so we don't do much crypto talk. It's never going to reach a penny. I'm just going to put it that way. It was moving uh-huh. on there. Like, so that's great. <laughs> but it's great though. So you started dividend investing and, you know, and I always say this in the podcast that dividend investing, you know, you invest in what you know, get solid blue chip companies or solid ETFs or we call them basket of stocks, do your contributions, cancel out all the noise of all the dystopian end of world stuff. And you kind of go from there and, you know, and we kind of go from that. So right now, uh, what are the top five holdings you have in your portfolio um, right currently? My my top five. Okay, so this is this is a little interesting. I wanted to talk about this. So my mm-hmm. top five value wise holding because there's some companies that are valued more in my uh, portfolio, like they have higher value, so they kind of like sprang to the top. Uh, they are Caterpillar ticker symbol CAT, BlackRock ticker symbol uh, symbol BLK. Uh, Broadcom, ticker symbol AVGO, Realty Income, ticker symbol O, and Texas Instruments, ticker symbol TXN. Those value-wise, because they have a higher value, and I've 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 built them up over the time. Um, and when you mean and when you mean by value, is that unrealized gain? Um, that's it's just the amount of like my the, the amount of uh, money put into the position. Mm-hmm. So like oh so so dollar amount yeah dollar amount so for example gotcha. like BlackRock I think closing today was like six seventy or something like six hundred and seventy a share mm-hmm. and that's that's you know that's that's not a small amount so mm-hmm. I'm sure you're I'm sure track. you're very happy with Caterpillar's performance in September so it is it is my number one uh, yeah definitely I think I'm up like thirty percent yep it's Caterpillar. It's yeah, it's been it's, it's been up since September. But my top five favorite stocks in my portfolio, which twenty twenty three, I have big plans to uh, to push some of these up. Uh, Procter and Gamble. I know uh, Ryan talks a lot about these, you know. So Procter and Gamble, Lowe's, <laughs> Realty Income, mm-hmm. and then uh, the other two are Johnson and Johnson and Coca Cola, and those are blue chip stocks. I like them a lot. They don't. They're not volatile. They're consistent. They don't have huge growth on the value side, but they were the first two stocks I invested in. So I'm kind of like attached to them. 
Yeah. It, it's um, uh, Russ always says this from Dapper Dividends. Your sleep at well stocks. Your sleep at your sleep well at night stocks. That is that is as blue chip as blue chip as you can get. Harris, man, you know the name. The nickname went for my portfolios: Fire Swan. Yeah, yes. financially independent, retire early, and sleep well at night. That's it. <laughs> yeah, and then you know you can't go wrong with you know those companies. Obviously, when you look at the dividend growth side of them, you know for most of those they're on the lower end. But you, you know, it's like when you have when you have like your you know in sports you have your rookie quarterback where you don't know what's going to happen. That's your crazy up and down. You have your all-star, they're going to, every every year it's crazy growth, but then you have your serviceable quarterback where you know what you're going to get and you're okay with that. And that's all, you know, like I said. Yeah, that's fine. There's there's no rules in investing. Everybody can do whatever the heck they want, you know, and it's what it's about what your risk tolerance is. And if that's what makes you sleep well at night and that's what you're confident in doing, that's fine. Yeah, so exactly. And speaking on risk, you know, there's a certain criteria that I go through for, uh, for for picking the stocks that go into the portfolio, right? So I look for a, a I'm going to get a, just a little technical here. I, I have it written mm-hmm. down, so I can't get, can't get this wrong. <laughs> uh, there's only three three things here. Uh, I look for three things mostly, like when I first to do a quick like snapshot glance at a, at a company, I'm looking at a yield for the dividend yield between 2.5 and 3.5%. I'm looking to see if it paid 10 years consecutively and grow the dividend for 10 years consecutively. And a payout ratio, PE ratio, that's below 60%. And so those are the three that I look for. And I have wiggle room on each of them because not, you know, not every company is going to fit that criteria 100%. So I'm willing to sacrifice one. So like if it gets like two thirds, then um, I'm going to be happy with it. Then then. I'll go and look into the, the 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 balance sheets and go in depth on it. Yeah, um, I I have kind of the same thought process with like obviously dividend payout being sixty percent or less. Kind of like you said, Pepsi is way over that, but you make but exceptions. <laughs> you know, it's the same thing with um like the PE ratios. There's people I get hammered a lot where it's like waste management's overvalued. It's like it's it is over twenty percent. Over twenty, which is where I, you know, I kind of consider, but it's the business model and what it is. It's just yeah, one of a kind. Yeah. You you pay the tax for some of these holdings, like you pay tax on Costco, you pay tax on Hershey's, you pay tax on waste management. It's just how it is. Exactly, it is how it is. This is how the company's set up, and sometimes you know some things are out of your control, unless you just have to, you just have to assess what if you're going to take that on or not. If you believe in the business and you know what they do, you just go for it, whether. There's a metric that's off, you know, you know, not, ever, not, I don't think there's not, there's not going to be one stock saying I have a perfect metric and everything. There's just no way. Yeah. Cause then everybody would, you know, that would be like the one golden, the golden goose. Yeah. But yeah, so that's good there. Um, right now. Um, so you're pretty much big on like consumer staples, you know, your everyday products, um, you know. I know you mentioned Procter and Gamble. I think every dividend investor has talked about Procter and Gamble because how many of every everything that they own. My personal opinion, this is just my opinion. I think that's a staple. If you're a dividend investor and you need to develop a core for your portfolio, I think Procter and Gamble should be part of that core. That that's just my opinion. Yep. Because it's it's uh it, it goes back to part of you know 
how I look at what I, the, the portfolio that I'm building. It's kind of like you look around your house, you look around where you live, where you work, the world around you, and you see what items are, are just readily available that you have an abundance mm-hmm. of. And I can tell you, Procter & Gamble is all over my house. And no, Lowe's, absolutely. we just renovated our house. We're making trips to Lowe's and Home Depot. <laughs> it's... It's all, it all is there. So I know um, I want to talk about, obviously, your dividend goal for retirement. Before we get to that, though, what, how much annual dividends are you making right now? Or what's your projected annual as of uh, right now? Obviously, it changes all the time. Yeah, I'm constantly, every, uh, weekly, I'm constantly putting contributions into the portfolio. So it's always it's always climbing up a little bit more. Uh, you give me a second here. I'm going to pull up the, the number projected for the next 12 months. Um. Yeah, it's been slowly growing this whole year. So I can give you the numbers from when I first started. So, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, we have 2021, right? I have 2021 mm-hmm. numbers. I started getting a, uh, an amount of $944.62. That was my annual dividend for that year. This year is $1,788.70. For the next 12 months, which I guess since we're in December, I guess that's for 2023 projected right now, it's uh, $2,574. So it's creeping up to $2,600. So it seems like it's it's going up about 800 bucks every year for the past at least two to three years. So it's... I mean, that's pretty. That's a pretty amount of growth. So you're going heavy with this because you're... I mean, to get to... Eight, to to get to that much money, it's a lot of contributions right there. So yeah. you're going really into it right now. I'm kicking that snowball so hard. You know, if there's snow on the ground for that snowball to pick up, I want it to pick it up so it can just keep growing faster and faster, man. <laughs> yeah. With your dividends, are you um, are you dripping them, which means that they're automatically reinvested? Or are you self-allocating them to specific I, holdings you find more opportunity? Self-allocating 100%. I like being able to control where the next contributions go. I think that's very important and where where it helped me get my portfolio to where it is today. Great stuff. That's amazing. That you know, you're the living story of like how an everyday person, you're a teacher and you're a photographer, you're just doing your thing, just being disciplined because obviously it's discipline and it's being mental. It's taking the mental side of this and if you do what you got to do, yeah. you'll get there one penny at a time. Sorry, poons. Yeah, <laughs> you got you to gotta do the plug. I, I respect it. Um, no, but so, no, go you know, going off that next question there, we're talking about your growth. What would it take for you to retire early? What's the number? What's your fire number? Ooh, that, that's hard because it needs to match or beat my current salary. And it's at a race with... Um, you know, the salary increases over the year, but I'm looking at a projection of 20 years, 15, 20 years. And hopefully at the end of that 20 year time that the dividends can match or beat what I'm what mm-hmm. I'm bringing in at that time. Yeah. And obviously you being a teacher, I'm sure obviously there's do the state, there's all these other programs too that will help you hopefully accelerate on the side. But obviously you can't touch that until God knows when, but yeah. you have so the, all the, that stuff on the side. See, so the problem is, for, for me to get full benefits and pension and the other stuff, I don't want to get too technical with all that. I need to retire yeah. at 65. And no, that's a, that's already a no. <laughs> that's, that's 65, man. Like, 
what am I going to do for the next, the, what, retire at 65, live my life for 11 years, and then pass away? Um, uh, that, that scares me. So I want to be done sooner, much sooner. I, I just I just learned something new there. I didn't know you had to be sixty five to get full benefits for that. At least at least here in New Jersey and in, <laughs> in the district that I work in. So I just, I just want to clarify that that does that's not a blanket thing. That's just for my just your specific situation. state, of course. Yeah, man, that's depressing. That just really hit hard. It's like no, now yeah. I understand why you're doing it's everything so you can. So no. Wow, that's that's crazy, man. Uh, nah, you're not working until sixty-five. Screw that. <laughs> uh, so I, I took it on my I took it on myself. I'm gonna cu- I want to cut you off because I think this is important. Yeah, you learn about it, but um, no, go for it. How, you, how we mentioned that I'm just like an everyday person, but it, it is in the mindset. You mentioned you had the discipline. Then, like I mentioned earlier, I was a big video game guy. I was a big magic person, hemorrhaging the money, like I mentioned. But it, it dawned on me, you know, when. When I started to save to buy a, a house for myself with my wife, it, it, the value of the dollar became very important. And my parents growing up, they're always like, you got to learn the value of the dollar. You just spend the money as soon as you get it. And I never really understood it until like a, like a grown-up moment hit me. And then I started to take a moment to look at it. And then my cousin mentioned... Robin Hood and that Rob, it was a mix between Robin Hood and uh, Andre Jick that kind of like collided at the same time. Andre was showing Robin Hood. My cousin mentioned it and I said, okay, so there's something going on here. And then from there, it's branched off of YouTube. So I, I'm self-taught. Everything I know, I taught myself. I didn't take any college classes in this. I didn't take any online master's courses, right? I through YouTube, through the discussions through with, um, like on Discord, like you mentioned earlier, uh, reading books, finding notable people in the field and reading books on them, watching their keynote talks. Those are all things that I've done to teach myself over these past three years because nobody was going to, nobody in my life would know about passive income or at least they would talk about it with me. So. Took, took it upon myself to, to get the YouTube University started. is an amazing thing, man, and there's no tuition. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Free online education right there. Be surprised. Yeah. No, and kind of the same thing. And obviously you found, I guess, Andre is the one where you learned it from. For me, it was uh, Ian Lupic, C- uh, CCP Ian. Oh, um, yeah. I, I, yep, I'm familiar with him also. Um, I remember one time, it was during the pandemic, like, Obviously, I did like the 401k and all that, but I never paid attention to it. I was, sit- I was, the pandemic had nothing to do. I was laying on the couch having a beer and I was like trying to figure this. PPC Ian explained it to me like a five year old and it made sense. And that's where I kind of went down and like, let me try to learn all about that this. That moment of clarity that just, it just hits you and you're like, oh my goodness, what have I been missing? Yes. So going to kind of pivot here. So I feel like on like the way we do our portfolios, we actually are a little bit different. So myself, I kind of right now I have 20 holdings and that's where I, the, the, the lower I get, the better I've been feeling. I feel like 20 is a good number for me. I know you, you're about having a bigger portfolio. Oh yeah. Uh, how many holdings are you at right now? Currently I'm sitting at 52. How do you manage that? Well, it... This this may be a very unpopular opinion, but 
having companies like these blue chip stocks like uh, Johnson & Johnson, Coca-Cola and Procter & Gamble in there, those are companies that you don't see them in the, the headline. Well, Johnson & Johnson had their talcum powder, I think baby powder problem recently, but they're not in the headlines for like bankruptcy and all these other issues. So these, these blue chip companies that have been stable, they stood against the test of time. My portfolio is filled with them. So a lot of these companies, I really don't have to babysit as much. And at the end of the day, since I'm holding stocks for 20 years or more, I don't really plan on selling them based on value. So if a company goes up 40%, I mean, that looks great, but that's not my goal. So... I'm not going to sell it at the 40% raise. I'm going to hold on to it because I want that dividend increase to keep snowballing. And if it's paying me, it's paying me consistently and it's growing consistently, then it has a spot in my portfolio and that's where it'll stay. So the reason why I have so many is because the portfolio is designed with so many of these, I guess, boring stocks. And I think boring is better because if I'm able to sleep at night, then it's doing the right thing. And Harris, I'm sleeping well at night. <laughs> um, at our age, once you reach, trust me, now that you hit 30, when I hit 30, sleep is the most important thing. You need to sleep well at night. <laughs> uh, yeah. So especially with all the other things going on, worrying about a stock portfolio is probably on the, the bottom end of things that you need as a stressor. So, Gotcha. And for yourself, um, if there is one holding, like I know you're 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 uh, you hold them and you're hold, long-term holder, is there anything that you'd be considering selling out of right now? Ooh, that's hard. That's hard. And it could be maybe like you know maybe your opinion on it changed or it's like you know what do I really need this? Is there anything like that that you can think of? Um, to be honest. It's it would be my my risky play. I have a risky play in my portfolio. I don't really like taking on a lot of risk, but you mm-hmm. do need some. And the one that I have is a company called One OK ticker symbol OKE. It's an energy company. Um, I like it specifically because it's not an MLP, and MLPs really throw a wrench into taxes. Yes. So, so an energy company that's not an MLP was pretty solid, but. Their dividend growth has been non-existent for the past couple of years, but they're sitting at, I believe, a quarterly rate of uh, 94 cents, and they're valued at 60-something dollars right now. So Mm -hmm. for its job in my portfolio, it's doing great, but if, if I had to sell out of it, out of one stock, it probably would be that one because if if you sold it, you wouldn't you wouldn't even, wouldn't even blink an eye. It's like eh, whatever. On to yeah, the next. Yeah, it, it flatlined. It, the, the dividend's not growing. So, um, you bring that up. The what I would sell out of, and it, it made me realize um, in my portfolio, there's there's buckets, right? There's a mm-hmm. book I read called the No Nonsense Guide to Dividend Investing. I think it was mm-hmm. written by. Uh, if anybody wants to look it up, Jesse Ryan Blair, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, it's called the No Nonsense Guide to Dividend Investing, and he brings up this concept of buckets to put your portfolio into to buckets, right? So you have your core stocks, you have your uh, like your growth stocks, your value stocks, and then miscellaneous, right? 
Your YOLO plays. Yeah, exactly. So most of mine are in like the core area. They follow that criteria that I mentioned earlier. Then there's the growth ones like Apple and Microsoft where the, the yield is just like ridiculously low. But over the long term, yeah, that's that should take off. And then there's the last bucket, which is the smallest bucket where companies like 1OK fall in where there's not much growth, there's not much value, but they bring consistent upfront income to help buy more stocks currently. That makes sense. Yeah, fully makes sense there. And you know what? And, you know, we've talked about this before. I've, I've talked to you about, like, some of the yellow plays I want to do. I'm not going to talk about it on this one because I'm actually making an episode beginning of the year of it, so I'm going to save it for that. But <laughs> YOLO episode? Um, not, not a YOLO episode, but something where it's, like, where I kind of do my um, my not my Nostradamus play, like, this is me speculating and this happened kind of a thing. Yeah. And it's okay to have a little bit of that. Just don't go too crazy on it because you'll get lost in the sauce. But it's always good to play around. If you get it right, it's like, look at me. I did it. Exactly. Yeah, I did this. <laughs> mm-hmm. So one thing that's amazing, obviously, with dividend investing is time is your best friend. I know you have a little baby girl, right? Oh, yes, yes, yes. And you have, to... a cust- you have a custodial account for her, right? Yes. Yep. That was that was one of the, the big things. Um my wife and I talked about when she was first born, we were looking at different accounts with banks to, uh, to start for her and Mm -hmm. they like for college funds or for other, you know, other things that she might want. So a lot of these funds, I I don't know, I forgot the names. I'm not going to get too technical with it, but some of the, the, the portfolios that the banks wanted said, you know, it's specifically needed to be used for college materials. And if it wasn't, then it was going to get taxed heavy for this. And, the money was locked up until a certain age. And there was just all these, you know, this red tape all over everything for the account where now that I've educated myself to a point where I feel confident that, you know, I can, I can assess a stock. I can see where it's going and how the low risk, how I invest could, you know, benefit her for the long run since this is a portfolio that's going to be sitting there till she's, of age to, to start using it. But it's, it's important that she's exposed to this while she's younger, because I don't know who said the saying. Um, so I'm, I'm sorry to whoever did say, it, but I think the phrase is uh, the time in the market beats time out of the market. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's like a, a golden rule. So I think starting her as soon as she was born. So whenever she's ready for college is, is important. So we started a, a account for her that I manage myself. Um, and if she wants to use it for college, she can use it for college. If she wants to use it for a down payment on a house, she can use it for a down payment on a house. If she just wants to let the dividends in there, keep snowballing through her whole life, she can do that as well. And there's no red tape on it. That's 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 where that's where it's coming from. Yeah, and I think with custodial, because I obviously I don't have children, so I don't really look that deep into them. I think there's some tax benefit for them. I think it's like a maximum contribution while they're under eighteen, correct? Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't know the exact number off the top of my head, but I believe you're I believe you're right on that. And then for that, are you doing individual, or are you just going ETF? Keep it basic. <sighs> keeping it keeping it real simple. Keeping it real simple for her. Don't like big names like VOO. Uh, SCHD, QQQ, right? They fill like 
uh, mm-hmm. growth, they feel dividend, they feel value. So they hit like all the check marks. And um, the only ones that, as far as individual stocks go, she only has three in there right now. It's uh, uh, O, Realty Income, Main Street Capital, and uh, Stag Industrials. They're all monthly paying dividends uh, companies, and those are just purchased. So if I were to buy a share of VOO, where I think it's almost 400, 380, something like that, yeah, so, I actually, I think the last two days, obviously, there's been markets yeah, been red. I think it's like so. I think it's like in the three fifty range or oh, three forty well, something yeah. right now. It, it took a hit. Yeah, so it, if I were to buy a share of that, the, the excess money from that, so if I put in if I put in four hundred dollars to buy it, buy a share of VLO, the excess money would get put into one of those monthly payers. Just so while the ETFs are growing, there's a small trickle of monthly dividends that are just rolling in. On the sidelines, she's gonna thank you one day. I hope so. I hope it's because <laughs> you know. I mean, how old is your daughter now? She is nine months and twenty-one days. But who's counting, right? Um, clear, <laughs> clearly, clearly, daddy. Oh yeah. <laughs> but that's. I mean, as a parent, you're doing, you know, things that you know that's not talked a lot about, and you're setting up your child for success without them even knowing it. And then I'm sure whenever you have to whenever she's old enough to understand the concept of like compounding and time. And it won't make any sense to her probably when you try to bring it up the first time, but just let her know like you're going to thank me one day. Yeah. And that's a big thing right now. My wife and I were trying to figure out when, uh, when is a good time to let her know about this account? Right. Cause yeah, I don't, you, I don't want to give it to her, let her know about it while she's young. And then mm-hmm. the- maybe when she's a teenager, yeah, I don't, you know, I don't want her to just be like, oh, I have this money that I can spend and then her have my spending genes and start hemorrhaging money out of that. And <sighs> No, I understand that. So got two more questions for you here. Yeah. And so we always talk about every day. If you, if you, if you were walking down the street on a sidewalk and you had your, your, your elevator pitch to somebody of what, you know, about dividend investing, about how to get started. What's your message to the world? Oh man, an elevator pitch. It's not supposed to be like a minute or less. That's hard, man. That's a loaded question also. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I, my message for investing to, to people would be uh, time, time in the market beats time out of the market. You know, talking about money is a, shouldn't be looked at as a taboo. It should be something that's accepted so that way we can all lift each other up. And, uh, you know, a piece of nugget, my advice, my own philosophy that I've, you know, developed is uh, experience makes a well-rounded individual, right? So you look, you take a snapshot of my life going from gaming to sports to magic to photography to uh, just all these random things. And then you throw money in there. That's another experience, right? So don't just focus on money. Don't just focus on, you know, the little things. You know, focusing on the big things is very important. And for investing specifically, uh, it's all about the risk that you would want to take, right? You don't want to stress yourself out. You want to sleep well at night so you can live your life. You don't want to take too much risk where you start to panic every time somebody on the news says something bad about your company that you just invested in. Yes. Just like I said, I talked about earlier, block out the noise because, you know, 
No hate on Jim Cramer, but those are the doomsday people. <laughs> oh, yeah. Look, you need you need to just do your own research and understand what you're investing to. If you literally went off went off the news, you would sell out of everything every single time. Oh yeah. I or try. buy everything every time. I'll I'll be honest, all right. I'll be honest. I'll I'll come clean. I did try uh, value investing for all of uh, two weeks, and that ended very badly, very quickly. So I immediately stepped back from there, reassessed, and said, "I now understand one hundred percent why I am a dividend investor, and am not going to stray from that path again." It's it's your it's your entry to the market. It's like welcome. Here's a big slap of red. Welcome. Oh, we 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 meet every Thursdays and Fridays at six p.m. and nine p.m. Welcome in. Man, we all we all have that story where it's like welcome to the market. Yeah, I had a friend yeah. who over Thanksgiving we were talking about. He was telling me he's a listener to the podcast. And he was telling me he's like, man, I think for you the way you explain stuff, it's too much for me to grasp. But I like the idea of a basket of stock. I would maybe pick one or two of those, put money in, and just let set and forget and. Exactly. Yeah. Having having one dollar invested is better than having zero dollars invested. A hundred percent, hundred percent. That's why ETFs are so great. I mean, still, again, like you said, you got to do your own due diligence. But mm-hmm. this is not financial advice. Please don't come after us. It's oh, just okay. us comp- just giving opinions. Opinions. These are these are our own opinions. Mm-hmm. So, last question. You know, I'm going to bring this up as a fellow Pokemon nerd. Which oh, that when the st- the second I figured out that you're into Pokemon through Discord, lost it. I'm like, I'm gonna do a couple, do a couple questions about that. We'll close it out here. In the last couple of minutes. Favorite Generation One Pokemon of all time. Go. Favorite Generation One. Uh, that's gonna have to easily be uh, Arcanine. Okay, fair. The legendary Pokemon. Yeah. Well, not. It's literally the, the Pokedex description, but it's not a legendary. Yeah, it's Pokemon not a legend. Yeah. It was supposed to be a legendary Pokemon originally, but then they. Made it into more compact. Mine would be Polyrath. Respect. Polyrath, one of the OGs. Um, are you going to buy this new game or not? Because I'm starting. I've, I've been trying to give uh, you my elevator pitch to buy it, and you're yeah, like, I know. I'm, just, I'm waiting till after Christmas. I, I promise it. We'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what Gio, happens. I told you the new Pokemon game pays you invisible dividends that will make you happy. Please. I'll look into it a hundred percent. I definitely am. I'm very interested in the game. I, I don't know. I don't know if I'm gonna. I probably probably gonna go with Scarlet if I had to get one though. Well, do that. I have Violet, so I'll oh, trade well, you everything you, you need. I'll trade you everything you need. Sounds good. Sounds good. And then, um, other than that, Geo, um, um, from obviously, you know, I met you on really early on when I started doing this podcast, and. You know, I've been very grateful for, I think, the best thing that I get out of this podcast, other than, like, us sharing our stories and just getting ourselves out to the internet and out to the world. It's making these connections that we make with people where, you know, I would have never gone to New Jersey to go talk to somebody from Dividend Investing, but the internet brings people together. And now we've, we have our chats on Discord, mostly we meet, mostly about me bugging you about why haven't you bought the new Pokemon game, but we don't, we have our... <laughs> You know, we have our chatter back and forth, and that's what's I think it's amazing about this community. It's a very strong community, and it's a growing community. Yeah, so uh, you know, that's you bring up a very good point because, like I mentioned, there's like the circle of people that I talk with really don't uh, want to talk about dividends or investing. So, creating or going on YouTube and finding like Gen X dividend investors Discord, Ryan Williams uh, Discord. You know, the Discord is a great platform for for creating these these spaces to 
bring a community together. So I figured, why not? It's also, it, it's also a great, it's also a great way for people to start these internet battles. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. It is. It gets, it gets very heated in there too. But you know, that's why I ended up creating my own Discord channel so I can bring together people of uh, like mindedness. So you know, because the other ones, the other Discord channels were getting a little too filled with things aside from the topics that I wanted to talk about. If that makes sense, I just wanted to focus primarily on dividend talk, dividend uh, talk, and news, and you know, go through that route. So, bring together a small community on there. So, yeah, Geo, um, you are the last episode and last guest of 2022. I hope it made it entertaining. <laughs> it was a great conversation. We talked about Pokemon. <laughs> Like, I mean, that alone that. in itself is amazing. But Gio, thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you for sharing your story out there. And of you know, let's 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 keep reaching that goal together. And it's like I always like to close this out. Doesn't matter if you're trying to save for the future, pay off debt, invest for yourself. We're always going to reach that goal one penny at a time. Gio, thanks again, man. Of course.